This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, we've been talking about it throughout the show. The big news, Seahawks and Geno Smith come to an agreement on a three-year, $105 million extension. Still awaiting the details of it, but here to break it all down for us is the man that covers the Seahawks for ESPN.com. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Our buddy Brady Henderson is here. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It's it's going good, and uh, good news for the Seahawks. They get this deal done, and I, I have yet to see any particulars in terms of what it, we saw the the note that he can make up to 52 million in the first year of this deal now I, i'm just assuming there's a ton of uh you know markers in there if he you know whether it's you know games played or completion percentage or if he's a pro bowler or gets through the first round second round super bowl what have you uh have you heard anything in the way of details in terms of what it would take to reach that number I have not, no. And I, I saw that note from uh, Adam Schefter and Jordan Schultz, and I, I believe Schultz reported that it was in the first calendar year. So that doesn't necessarily mean uh, in this upcoming season alone. Now, I guess the, the larger point there is that, you know, you really need to see the full details of an NFL contract come out before you can really, like, truly evaluate it. And a lot of times, you know, the initially reported numbers on a deal – like, you know, four years, X million, a lot of times that includes incentives uh, that a player would have to hit in order to make that total. And so the true value of the deal a lot of times is is lower than that. And I imagine that might be the case uh, with this deal, that, that the $105 million actually includes some incentives and that the true average per year may be closer to, you know, $30, $31 million, something like that. So we don't really know because None of the other details haven't come out yet. I'm sure they will over the next few days, uh, and we'll get a, a really a better picture of what the deal looks like. But um, whether it's 29, 30, 31, 35 million dollars, it's a heck of a deal for Geno Smith, uh, and it's a heck of a story that he continues to write. Hey, you know, just a, a quick detail, Brady. What? How much of these contracts are they supposed to divulge? I mean, and and does the NFL? I mean, what's the as far as getting all the details and things like that? What's the arrangement between the media and and the team? Well, I, typically, and I'm not speaking on this situation uh, specifically, but typically, what happens is, you know, the details will get, uh, you know, details like this when a deal is first reported. That information comes from the agent, and the reason why, you know, some of um, sometimes the numbers include you know, the incentives is because when you include those incentives, the overall number goes up, the deal looks better for the agent and the player. Again, I'm not necessarily saying this is what happened uh, with Gino's deal. Cause I don't know that for sure, but that is a lot of times what happens. And so uh, it's whatever the agent feels like divulging to whatever reporter uh, he or she feels like telling it to. Um, and so there can be any, you know, sometimes it's just the, the, you know, uh, you know, the, the number of years and the max value, sometimes the guaranteed total is included. I haven't seen anything about the, the overall guarantee in this deal, but there's no set arrangement. It's basically whatever the uh, agent feels like telling the reporter. Okay. 
Hey, you know, one thing we were talking about leading up to this, Brady, is, and you know how this is more than anybody, that depending on the player or who the player is, you hear different rumors, you read different things, you hear different things, oh, this team's interested, that team's interested. You, you hear about other possibilities, and we just hadn't heard that with Gino. Did you get a sense that the that there there was a market for him outside of Seattle to, to any extent, or what, what what was your read on that? You know, I didn't hear anything uh, specifically other than just, uh, you know, a few whispers that um, of what other teams might be looking for in terms of other quarterbacks. You know, I, I know I, I was looking at it recently and just looking at the number of NFL teams that would realistically be in the market for a new quarterback. And there was, you know, ten, about, I counted about 10 of them, maybe give or take one or two. Um, and then you look at it and, you know, four of those teams have picks in the top 10 this year. So they might be inclined uh, to go with a, a high draft pick as opposed to spending money on a, on a veteran guy in free agency. You know, one of those 10 teams uh, that isn't picking in the top 10 is Tampa Bay, which is in salary cap hell. And there's no way that they could afford a Geno Smith deal. Um, and then you figure that beyond that, you know, there's two other big name quarterbacks at least uh, who are going to you know, be in line for big deals, one of them being Derek Carr, who we saw got a deal done earlier today, and the other, of course, being Aaron Rodgers. So you could take a look at those 10 teams, and if you just look at the number, like, okay, maybe 10 teams could be involved, but then you start to you know, look closer, and I started to wonder if maybe there wasn't going to be a, a massive uh, market for Geno Smith. Now, certainly the Seahawks felt like there would have been some market because it seems like there was motivation to get this done uh, you know, before the franchise tag deadline and before free agency. But I, I, I started to get the sense that there may not be the same kind of market uh, for Smith that there would be for Derek Carr or, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers. Brady, uh, Jordan Schultz was uh, brought up the fact that, you know, you're not just buying his athletic ability and his ability to play quarterback. It's you're you're buying a leader. You're paying him. You're uh, you're paying a guy who is a is a good person. That whole thing. And you know, I I think I'm not sure if you were in uh, the room after the the playoff loss down in San Francisco, where he kind of got a little bit yeah. teary eyed and you know kind of saw that that side of Gino. But we we really don't get a chance to to talk to him. I mean, typically he does like a press conference type of deal, and and that's about it. But Tell us about what you've sort of learned about Gino as as a leader, and uh, because you don't hear from the backup quarterback, right? Right. Yeah, and I, I could probably count on one hand the number of conversations I had with him uh, before this season. All all of them were positive, but you just don't really talk to the backup quarterback all that often. Uh, you know, the two things, Dave, that struck me about you know const- you know just talking to him regularly this season. Uh, and hearing from him post game, one was that you know, I thought it was really admirable how at almost every turn he he had a lot of opportunities to really stick it back in the faces of people that doubted him, of you know teams that moved on from him because clearly they didn't believe in him. And there was one you know uh, one time in particular after he beat the Giants, and I think somebody it must have been somebody from uh, the New York media. Um, based on the accent and the fact that I didn't recognize it, but he asked the question of, you know, whether or not it was, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but whether or not it was, you know, more satisfying or gratifying to beat the giants, you know, based on how his season went there. And I think that was 2017. Remember he, he got kind of a raw deal there uh, with the way that, you know, they went to him. uh, They replaced Eli Manning in the starting lineup with Smith fired the GM and the head coach the next week, and then reinserted Eli Manning as the starter and, really not really kind of, you know, not a fair situation to Gino. 
And despite that, he, he said no. In fact, he was really complimentary of the GM and the head coach who, who gave him the chance, and he dedicated you know the win to them, uh, which I thought was a stand-up thing to do. And there were other times where he really easily had an opportunity to kind of say, you know, hey, look at me now, and to throw it back in, in a lot of people's faces, and he didn't do that. And the other thing he did was um, – you know, he showed a great deal of accountability after mistakes. And it, it's accountability that you don't often hear from quarterbacks. I think, frankly, we didn't hear it uh, as much from Russell Wilson after he made mistakes. There wasn't that level of public accountability uh, that you heard from Geno Smith. And I imagine that that went a long way in the locker room. And I don't think it's any surprise that you're seeing teammates react on Twitter uh, with you know the excitement that they are to this deal. Um, I think playing the way he did and carrying himself the way he did really went a long way in that locker room. So, Brady, what do you think this means moving forward towards the draft here? Because we're all trying to speculate, all right, they've got the number five overall pick. Where do they go defense? Is there one of these quarterbacks that's caught their eye? Uh, They're in a great position if they do draft a quarterback to let them learn under Geno for a year or two or three, depending on what this contract looks like. And if, you know, maybe there's an out there after the first or second year and it's not damaging to the cap with dead cap money, who knows? But what do you think it does in that sense? Does it change their plan at all, or do you think this is the plan all along and they, you know, everything's lining up for them, so to speak, heading into the draft? Yeah, yeah so, I mean, certainly there's a lot less urgency uh, than there would be to take a quarterback early, uh, whether it's the fifth pick, 20th pick, trading down, taking a guy in the second round, something like that. But I, I still don't think that you can totally rule it out. Uh, logically, it would make a lot more sense to spend that capital on um, you know, a, a front seven defender, which is obviously their biggest need. And, and maybe you try to re-sign Drew Locke, which I think they're going to try to do. I think in a perfect world, they would uh, re-sign Gino, which they did, and re-sign Drew Locke to be his backup uh, on another one-year deal. So we'll see what happens with Locke. But um, I, I just don't think you can entirely rule it out because, you know, as they said at the Combine, this is rare territory for them uh, to be picking this high. And I would go back to, you know, what happened in 2017 uh, in 2018, or I should say what, what didn't happen, but, you know, what could have happened is, you know, in 2017, they fell in love with Patrick Mahomes. And from everything I've heard, they would have drafted him uh, had he fallen to them in the first round that year. And in 2018, of course, um, you know, I've been told this, I've reported this, other people have as well, that uh, they placed a call to the Cleveland Browns to inquire about trading Wilson for the number one overall pick. Uh, because Josh Allen was the guy that they wanted to take number one overall. So if they fell in love with those guys, um, it's conceivable to me at least that they could fall in love with another quarterback uh, and and take them with the fifth overall pick. I still think the more likely route, though, is um, taking a front seven guy and trying to re-sign Drew Locke and maybe taking a quarterback uh, whether or not you resign lock, maybe you take a quarterback at some point later in the draft. Well, and because of all of that, and we've talked about this before, um, Brady, when you know you wrote your your big article about about Russ and Gino, and uh, you, I guess you wouldn't get mad at them, right? I mean, based on their track record, those things you just mentioned, those stories, if they did draft somebody, you know, to to sort of learn underneath Gino. Do you feel like the the Seahawks have enough credit <laughs> as far as you know the their ability to identify quarterback talent that you would be like okay I'm 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 fine with that? Yeah, no, totally. I, I I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt based on what we know about the quarterback evaluations that they've made. Um, you know, they've only drafted two of them, so it's it's not like there's a, a strong track record in that sense of them evaluating quarterbacks. Obviously, one of those guys was. 
uh, Russell Wilson, who, who you know might be in the Hall of Fame, depending on whether or not he can uh, rebound in Denver. Um, was the so other one Magoo? Like big, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex Magoo right. was the other guy in 2018. <laughs> yeah, seventh yeah. round pick. So it, it's kind of wild to think that they've only drafted two quarterbacks in um, what is it, 13 drafts under Carolyn Schneider. Right. Uh, but you know, I think the other thing to keep in mind here is. You know, they are probably, again, haven't seen the details of Geno's contract, but I would guess that at this kind of price point, they're probably guaranteeing him uh, two years. And the third year is, is kind of, you know, wait and see it based on how he plays, or, or maybe he's eligible for, maybe he gets an extension by then, or if he doesn't play well, then, then I think after two years, maybe they would have an out. That, that would be my guess is the way this contract is going to be structured. So that's another thing to keep in mind is if you're talking about, you know, signing Geno Smith to this, you know, pretty big deal and committing to him financially for at least the next two years. I wonder if, you know, that commitment would make them less likely to, to draft a quarterback early. But again, I just don't think you can rule it out. I thought the combine this week was great for the Seahawks, Brady, because everybody's buzzing about Anthony Richardson. So that's just one more quarterback with the other three that everybody's been talking about. And maybe you get a team that's desperate for a quarterback wanting to trade up. And even if it's not with the Seahawks, maybe it removes one of those teams that would be competing for a premier defensive player they would go after. Maybe the Cardinals or the Bears trade out of their spot. We'll see. How did you view the combine? Do you, do you agree with that assessment that maybe it creates urgency amongst some of these quarterback needy teams? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally do. I mean, if you're of the opinion that they are going to draft a defensive player, then it certainly helps to have another quarterback you know, maybe, and I say maybe because I'm not sure if, if that that performance alone is going to get him uh, that high in the draft when you're talking about a guy with, you know, some of the passing, uh, unimpressive passing numbers that he has. I, I get it that he's, you know, has out-of-this-world athleticism, but I, I'm just not sure about him as a top-five, top-ten guy. We'll see. But at any rate, you know, if, if other teams view him as that, then that certainly helps the Seahawks uh, because it makes that, that number five pick more valuable and and you know when teams trade up to that part in the draft they're typically doing it for a quarterback not always but uh typically they're doing it for that and and they justify you know the premium that it takes to move up that high is you know well the payoff is going to be there because it's a quarterback and you're going to get more value if you hit on a quarterback than you will out of any other position and so um yeah I, i think that helped them whether it's them wanting to take a defensive guy or them you know, maybe looking to trade back and knowing that that there might be more teams interested in trading up for that number five overall pick. Um, yeah, I think that hurt that, or I think that helped them for sure. Hey Brady, I was telling a story last week about a guy that was in my linebacker group that ran a really good forty, and he wasn't really on anybody's radar until then. He ends up getting drafted in the second round, and didn't really work out great for him. But um, do do you think? I mean, I feel like all of the hype and the things about like Anthony Richardson are sort of media created, which I think is great. You know, I, I, I love it. I love seeing who did did well and, you know, maybe help themselves. But it seems like to me that most most staffs know not to get entirely emotional and blown away by somebody's performance at the combine. Is that is that the way you, you read the NFL? Yeah, 100%. And I remember, you know, last year after the combine, I think there was a lot of people who thought that Malik Willis would go, uh, you know, maybe even I think some people uh, had them in their mock drafts to the Seahawks at, uh, what was it, number nine Mm -hmm, overall. And I can tell you that there was never any thought 
uh, in the Seahawks building that they would take him that high. I, I don't. I think they had him as like a day three prospect, and I think he went in the fourth round. So um, I guess the reminder there is that there can be a big difference between what observers and what the mock draft uh, community thinks of a prospect and what NFL teams actually think of a prospect. And um, it's easy to kind of get caught up in a really flashy um, you know, combine performance. And, and, you know, I, I think he probably helped himself. I just don't know if he helped himself enough to get him to that part of the draft. So what, uh, what stood out to you or who stood out to you in, in the combine this, this weekend, if anybody, I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I did not watch a whole lot of, combine <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to pretend like I did. I, I, I watched some of it and i watched, you know, I, I heard, listen to what Pete Carroll and Josh Schneider said, uh, and I did catch some of it. I read some of the articles about guys that supposedly helped themselves. But, um, yeah, I, I I have to plead the fifth there because I just did not. <laughs> so Bob I and I are losers. Yeah, I was just going to say. a couple say, of losers that sat around and watched. Dave and I are the, the nerds that are like, hey, did you see this part? Did you see when this guy did this? <laughs> How come they're not showing the bench press? How come that's gone? Why? Yeah, we, yeah, we're, we have a problem. Brady. Um, so that's it, all right. If, if you were going to, and, and trying to guess what the Seahawks are going to do in the draft any year is, is, is almost ridiculous because they, they never seem to do what you feel is the obvious move or make the obvious pick. But do you have a sense of, of them? If you were going to bet they, they pick at five or they trade it, what would you bet? I would bet pick at five and trade back from number 20. And I say that because, um, you know, at number five, you're just in a rare territory of, and, and that's just a rare chance to get really a, a surefire blue chip guy. Not, I guess there's not such thing as like a totally surefire guy, but you know, that's just a position that they have not been able to be in and under Carol and Schneider. And, you know, I, I think they would tell you that as good of players as some other teams have ended up with like Nick Bosa uh, and other guys, who have gone early in that draft, I think they would tell you that, yeah, those were no brainer decisions and that, you know, anybody could have made those picks because those players were just so much better uh, than the other guys in available in the first round at, at that spot. And so I just could see them being at a, at a point where they say, look, this guy that you could get at five, whether it's uh, if, you know, one of the two big name defenders falls down, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, and maybe they have, maybe they feel like Tyree, uh, Tyree Wilson, the guy from Texas Tech, is in that same ballpark. I can just see them saying, look, you're just not going to get that guy anywhere else. And the value in trading back and recouping extra draft capital, it just might not be uh, enough to sacrifice getting that level of player. So my, I could see them trading back, but my guess is they stay put at number five. And my guess is they trade back at number 20. And I'm not yeah. confident in that guess either, but I just think that's at the part of the draft where teams will tell you that, you know, there's typically only, you know, say 17 to 21, some, something in that ballpark, like true first-round talents. And that's right. a big reason why when the Seahawks are picking in the 20s, you consistently see them trade back because they feel like at 24 or 25, whatever it is, that they're getting a second-round prospect, a second-round talent. And the thought is, if the guy you could get at 25 is the same level of guy you could get at 35, then you might as well trade back 10 spots you're still going to get the same caliber of player. And in the meantime, you're going to pick up some extra draft capital. Now picking at 20, maybe if this is a good draft, maybe there might be, you know, 22, 23 true first round guys. And maybe they would get that kind of talent at 20. 
but if not, then I think they're going to be looking to trade back like they usually do. Yeah, I think that's a good read, Brady. Um, you know, and that you know, you hear different numbers of how many are are they actually first rounders, and if they don't have them evaluated that way, then uh, and by the way, Bob probably watched as much combine as I did. Plus, Bob watched an XFL game, so the entire <laughs> wow. thing. So. You know, I was uh, I was I guess doing something in the lo- you know the yard. Yeah, you were living a life. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, the the other thing uh, I wanted to ask you about just uh, free agency. Any any ideas about where they're going? And you know, any anything change? I know right uh, this week we've been kind of focusing on the the young guys that are about to get drafted. But uh, anything uh, in particular that has uh, raised your your ears up a bit? You know, I think Locke, that's an interesting situation uh, because I, I tend to think that he could have a decent market. And I don't think he's, he's not going to get starting money, but I think some team could, you know, pay him some money to be a, you know, high-end backup and maybe even a bridge starter. Um, you know, if, if Tampa Bay is one obvious team that comes to mind because they need a quarterback, uh, they don't have an early first-round pick, and they, again, they're in salary cap hell, so they're not going to be in play for – Rogers or, uh, you know, one of those big name guys. And so um, Dave Canales being there, I think that that makes that an obvious connection. I, I think if the Seahawks could maybe get him for, you know, three and a half, four million dollars, I think they would definitely try hard to resign it. But beyond that, I just think they it might be too much when you're already paying Geno Smith. Um, in terms of another Seahawks free agent that's interesting, I think Puna Ford is, is one of the bigger names now that Geno Smith um, is is coming back to Seattle. I, I could see him looking for a deal in the 10, maybe even $12 million range. Uh, and I just don't know if Seattle is going to go that high when they've got, you know, again, the as much early round draft capital as they have. Uh, but I, I would not be shocked if he gets a deal averaging $10 million or maybe even more. Well, plus they got a budget to bring LJ Collier back. So you you, you don't want to screw that one up, Brady. I'm kidding. I'm joking. You've been watching too much uh, XFL football. I think your brain's a little scrambled there, Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I might see him in the game out there at some point soon. Uh, Brady, as always, we appreciate it. Great stuff, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Okay, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Take Brady. care. There you go, Brady Henderson of ESPN.com. If you missed any of that conversation with Brady or anything from Jordan Schultz earlier, uh, you can find it on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, big quarterback contracts have been handed out today, and we'll talk about what it means moving forward with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to Brady Henderson, who joined us in the previous segment. Again, if you miss any of our conversations, Jordan Schultz, Sean Kelly, all joining us on the program, all of that will be available on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. Click subscribe and bring joy to the hearts of Wyman and Lefko. It really, really would make their day if you click subscribe. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're all about. That's we're right. all about. You're all about joy. Well, and today... If they do that, and then they stay on our website. Sorry, I lost my voice over the weekend. Uh, if they stay on our website, they can see video of you guys talking about Geno Smith and mm. the deal. There's a story up. They can just hang out there it's for hours. For it's, it's all a, there. It's a one-stop shop. One-stop Are shop. you up partying or something? Yeah. What's going Are on? You're hooting champ? and hollering. Very much so. Uh, my cousin got married, so I was definitely hooting and hollering. You were yelling throughout the vows? Yeah. <laughs> He's one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. He's out there. Yeah, go get him. Hey, boy. <laughs> I think that was in Tommy Boy the, when they asked the crowd, "Does anybody object?" 
Uh, and one of those workers go, are you kidding, Tom? Go get him. <laughs> yeah. So Classic. that was Lefko. That uh, was Lefko. Were you, were you just cutting a rug out there? Were you dancing the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, you got moves, huh? Mm, debatable. But none of you say, would know that for sure. So. I have to say, and this is terrible, but I cannot dance unless there's alcohol involved. <laughs> Really, I would say you're probably in the majority. I mean, <laughs> Most people feel they lose that inhibition and self-awareness. My wife just anytime is good for dancing, always. And I'm just like, there's lots of times I'm out there, I'm like, what am I doing? This is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> and it's what, not really going to get me anywhere. You know, you know no, you've I mean, already when, accomplished your mission. Yeah, when you, you're early on, you're trying to attract someone. Yeah, she's you, you locked her down. That's it. Yeah, she can't go anywhere. Uh, wasn't there a Seinfeld episode where they said something about dancing to Jerry? And he goes, no, I don't do that because it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> or right. something like that. So, so I'm just I real... thought you are going to talk about Elaine. No, well, we saw how that worked the out for her. Kicks. The tiny kicks and the thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> what they say is like a full body dry heave or yeah. something like that. <laughs> oh, it's uh, always going to be funny. All right. So some big contracts handed out. We, we talked about the Derek Carr deal. Four years $150 million, 100 guaranteed. I, I should put that up to 150 up to 100 guaranteed, as it was written in the story. And that's similar with Gino. We don't, we don't have any of the details on his deal in case you're just tuning in. Uh, they did come to an agreement, the Seahawks and Geno Smith. Three-year extension, $105 million. The only thing outside of that we've heard is he's got the ability to make up to $52 million in the first year. How he gets there, we're not sure. What the incentive, what the markers are. What, well, is, what Brady, does he have to achieve? Yeah, Brady didn't say. He said, though, that there was something about that calendar year. Yeah, the, the not, first calendar year. Yeah, not the first season. So it's. Yeah. It, I think it starts in April, they said. So April to April. Yeah. So it's so, it's not, yeah, game one and what, end of, or September to. Well, I thought calendar year meant the end of the year. I thought the it end was of 2023, but, you know. Wouldn't it mean April to April? Like, a, it's not. Well, it depends because the NFL league year starts March 15th. So depending on the uh, definition written in there, it yeah. could be March 15th. Okay. It could be calendar year based on I thought I think Jordan, staggering. I thought Jordan yeah. said something about April. Okay. Do you, is that really interesting to, to you guys? I mean, uh, to me, how the thing is structured, and I guess it, it's kind of clever. It's like, okay, you... Uh, you gave him something there as an incentive, and it's something that probably pretty easily attainable based on his stats and his performance and things like that. But I don't know. It's interesting to me because, like, the agents put this out there because they want everybody to know, hey, I'm a good agent. Yeah. Look at this. Look uh, what I did deal. for my client here. Yeah. So, and I'm not sure how much the NFL forces them to divulge, you know, whatever the details are. Because we always talk about, like, with coaches, we don't know how much they make. No coaches or you know that part of it, but anyway, um, what was the best part about the interview with? Uh, I'll just tell you mine. Mine with Brady talking to Brady Henderson was that he said you know he didn't want to stick it in everybody's face like the Giants, um, and then and this isn't bashing Russ, but it is true that he take he took a lot of accountability. Like he would make comments about you know when he made a mistake and not so much from russ and i think russ is you know his uh his method there is is maybe not bad you know it's it's like you don't want to give somebody something you know already when they're looking to pick you apart and mm-hmm. the media and they're looking to criticize um you don't want to offer it up so i understand that 
that side of it as well. And I don't think that that makes, you know, Russ a, a lesser person or anything like that. But I do think it's it was nice to hear that from Gino that, you know, he didn't want to because, you know, some of the stuff that he tweets, I feel like he's got a big chip on his shoulder and he wants to, you know, prove things. But the fact that he didn't want to stick it to the Giants and mm-hmm. their management and then just the accountability that he took, I thought, you know, because, look, that's what you when you invest that much money. We know this, Bob, $105 million makes people weird. Yeah. You know? And so you want to make sure that it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect him too much, because this is this is really like what's the most he's made seven. Uh, well, that's what he made this past season. Yeah. I don't know what he made in years previous. I mean, yeah. he's been on one-year deals for a number of years at this point. But it was like 10 years ago, so I'm assuming it wasn't some big, huge blockbuster yeah, well, type of Yeah, he was a second-round pick, so it wasn't yeah. like he was getting you know a top-five pick salary as a rookie coming in. and So he was a second-round right. pick, and then, yeah, I'm guessing he didn't make, in football dollars, he didn't make much because he, at that point, was relegated to a backup role. Yeah, because, I mean, this is what you're, you know, you're buying this guy's personality, who he is, and I don't know, I felt pretty good about, and again, you know, and, and there's some some parts in, in his past maybe that uh, that aren't the greatest, but um, Pete and John, you know, once again, we say, you know, are you in if those two guys think that he's worthy of spending that money? And we've pretty much said, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's kind of comforting. I liked hearing that from Brady anyway. Yeah, it's they Pete and John have a conviction about this, just like a, a draft pick. You know, you you got to go on faith. You got a lot right. of people texting in saying it's a bad deal. This guy's a one-year wonder. It's too much money. Especially, I think the fifty-two million number is scaring people. And again, I would just caution: we don't know the details or what it would take for him to reach that number. It might be, you know, achieving everything under the sun and winning the Super Bowl. You know, on mm-hmm. top of it, like he might he might have to match last year's numbers. Maybe some of its completion percentage, some of its games played. Maybe it's a Pro Bowl appearance. Maybe it's uh, top three or top five in MVP voting. It can be anything. They can write anything in there they want as a way of an incentive. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing it would end with, hey, and if you get to the Super Bowl and win it, then you get this much more. So we'll we'll see what the actual number is that that's realistic. But, yeah, I, I assume if, if he achieves everything he needs to in order to make that kind of money, that's great news for the Seahawks because I've got to believe it ends with a Super Bowl win. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, we got somebody that – Texted in. Do you believe this is a guy that can take you to the to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? Because you know, look, it's a one and uh, you know, uh, not one in a million shot. But I mean, it's difficult to make it to the yeah. to the Super Bowl, get all the way there. But you know, if they obviously think yes, and you know, somebody I think it was the five hundred nine texted in and said, well, you know, you, you can get there with him if you have a, a bunch of guys like what San Francisco has around their quarterback because they, you had a rookie out there and he he played well. But that's what they're trying to build right now. That's what this uh, – and I think the signing of Geno kind of clears the way for them to start getting these guys. We talked about this earlier. Deron Payne, you know, he was franchise tagged. It's like $19 million, mm-hmm. the franchise tag for defensive tackles. Running backs is around 10. Yeah. So, I mean, you see how important those guys are. And if they're able to get Jalen Carter or, you know, one of these edge rushers like Tyree Wilson, you know, you're starting to build that that part. You're you're building your team kind of like what uh, what the 49ers have done. And then it just takes a little bit of pressure off uh, off of Geno. 
All right, coming up, the Seahawks have their quarterback, but could another familiar name return on defense? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You guys can text in your thoughts on the Geno Smith deal, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. That the big news today, in case you just tuned in, the Seahawks and the and Geno Smith agreed to a three-year extension worth $105 million. Potentially, we don't know what's guaranteed or what the incentives are to this point. And again, the big the big sticking point for those that are against it, Dave, seems to be that ability to earn up to fifty two million in the first year of the deal. We don't know what he has to do in order to achieve that number. That's not a guaranteed number. Yeah, the ability. Yes. So that's the key phrase there. So that yeah, we we really don't know about that. And I'm not sure if, like I said, I'm, I, how much are they obligated to divulge? I think like. You know, like Brady said, it usually comes from the agent, yeah. and they're doing it to attract other clients. Well, and this is what the agent likes, because right now it feels like, you know, probably there are probably a lot of people going, he's getting $52 million in the first year, he's getting 105 and that's what the agent wants people to believe, <laughs> right? Even though those that know, know, that, you know, all the GMs and everybody else is going, yeah, yeah, okay, well, what's he guaranteed? What's the real number? What? When can the Seahawks get out of the deal? What? What's the dead cap hit? Blah blah blah. So, well, and tell me if I'm wrong about this from our texters. Uh, you can text in eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Mac and Jacks. Um, when they typically say the calendar year, I, I felt like that means January. Or I'm sorry, December thirty first, two thousand twenty three. That's the end of the calendar year, but. Maybe it's well. I did just listen back. It's go April, April to April. Yeah, it's April. Based on probably when it's executed okay. or kicks in, or gotcha. You know, you yeah. just said how nuanced and complicated contracts yeah. are. So they're so. just saying it's twelve yeah. months. Yes, starting yeah. here. Starting here. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I thought usually that's what that meant, and that's where I was like, whoa, that's you know, ten months yeah. uh, away. But uh, it sounds- so some of that would include, I would assume, a roster bonus. There's a, the, the, you know, it, it, there could be a million different things that have a, a price tag attached to it. Well, the other thing I think is that Gino's deal is 35, and you look at Derek Carr's, his is 37.5 average. Uh, Gino's is 35. It's only two and a half million less than Derek Carr. It, are people thinking that? Derek Carr is way better than Gino, and that that's a little bit too close there. Or I don't know. I mean, well, Carr may have more guaranteed money in his than be. I, we don't know. The guaranteed <laughs> part of it is, is all that matters. The huge part of it. That's, yeah, that's what you get. This is the flash. I think is 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 Jordan or Brady's one of them said. Yeah, this is the flashy number you throw out there. One hundred five million. Yeah. And then you look at the details, and again, the, the professor would always school us on that. Hey. Yeah, well, what what it really means is he got this much guaranteed, and that's an injury guarantee. So that only counts if he gets injured, and you know he starts dissecting the numbers, and you walk away going, "Oh, that's not nearly yeah. that great of a deal, or it's well, not nearly what it appears to be initially." Right, and yeah, a lot of it's fluff up front. But yeah. I don't know if we said this or not, but uh, the four two five brings it up. But yeah, up to fifty two million could also include the signing bonus. Yeah, you know, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? That, we'll find out. It'll come out. Yeah. One way or another. Hey, what about this? So we've talked about, you know, former Seahawks. Everybody loves a former Seahawks. Bring Marshawn back. Re- bring Richard Sherman back. Bring uh, Bobby Wagner back. Well, there's another one, Dave. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs are expected to release Frank Clark 
in order to save $21 million in cap space. Uh, he's just 29 years old. For some reason, I felt like he was older than that, but he's uh, 29 years old. So doesn't it feel like he's been in the league longer than eight years? Yeah, he's already got he's uh, he's got two Super Bowl titles with the Chiefs. Wow. And yeah, so he's and he's been great for them in the postseason. I don't know week in week out what kind of a player he's been, or has he not lived up to their expectations or that paycheck? I guess in their mind, because we've talked about the fact that even guys. That they look at and go, okay, we we can't afford that anymore. If they want them around, they restructure. Hey, well, let, we're going to restructure this deal. We got to. We're going to make this a bonus. We'll push this money back here. We're going to whatever you know, all those salary cap maneuvers that we all sit here and go. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. But they're not doing it in this instance, which I think is interesting because he feels like he's been a pretty solid part of what they do there. Certainly in the in the, I think he's third all time in postseason sacks. If I read that number in correctly. the NFL history, isn't that crazy? Think, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so, well, and also, the, if you look at his production, I mean, he's had double digit sacks when he was here. His second year, he had 10. His fourth year, he had 13. But then, since, you know, his first year in Kansas City, and he, he went to the Pro Bowl three years in a row, but um, eight sacks, six sacks, four and a half sacks, five sacks. I, I think he's not one of those guys that's going to get consistent uh, double digit sack numbers, but he's a good run player. Mm-hmm. He really is uh, fantastic uh, against the run, and that's that's a huge part of it too. So, but yeah, I think everybody just assumes since he was here before. I guess my assumption, though, and maybe it's not fair, is that they're done with him. They they already know they moved on, and they're not looking to get back in. I, I feel like that's you think just with him, or do you feel that way in general, in like general, Bobby or with Bobby, any, anybody, that anybody? We yeah, and we they you know we had a bunch of people texting in about some of the people that they did go back to. Um, Justin uh, Coleman. Yeah, you know there. There's a guy that, and it was kind of disappointing this year. I was expecting was a little bit really more disappointing from, out of him. <laughs> really was because he he was a fantastic nickel player. And then when he left, they had a hard time with uh, with the nickel position. They didn't have anybody. They they ran a lot of uh, regular base formation does, type of stuff. Does Frank fit? I mean, just let's play this one out. Is he's twenty nine, so he's not an old guy yet. He's he's getting there in football years. Uh, he'll be thirty in June, so he'll be thirty when the year starts. Yeah, is he a guy you think fits what they're trying to do here with this three four with four three? Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> tendencies or whatever. The hell. I would say maybe as much as Bruce Irvin. I, I I would say this though, Bruce Irvin. He made he made a lot of mistakes last year, but he was a better pass dropper. Then I think Frank Clark could be, that's mm-hmm. that's for sure. So yeah, no, I'm not I'm not entirely sure that that he uh, that he fits in here. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they will bring him back. Um, I don't think that there was anything that was did, were there ill feelings at the time. I feel like they always do a good job with I don't that. Call them if there were. I don't remember them. Yeah. I, t- to me, it'd be about you know where what do they see in him and do they see a true value or hey he'd be be nice to have a guy who kind of understands what we do here. But it has to be at the right price, mm-hmm. and I don't know where what his demand is on the open market. Maybe there are some teams out there willing to give him a pretty nice contract elsewhere, and the Seahawks go, "All right, hey, good luck to you." Yeah, you know? well, and especially with somebody like Bobby. Sorry, Bob. I just this just popped in my mind that you know where they're going right now. The culture, it's different. Like mm-hmm. they're they're going somewhere else. They're going with young guys. They're going with a guy like Gino, who was a backup for a long time, and you know I, I feel like. If you bring some of those voices back here, now they did do that with Bruce Irvin, and and he was really good that way. But 
I don't know. I, I feel like all of a sudden culturally, culturally, you'll take a step back a little bit. It's kind of a different team. They want to do things differently. They want to be back in those days where they did have a bunch of young guys mm-hmm. that, you know, they didn't have these established veterans. They had these guys that they were getting like KJ and Bobby at the time and Russ that, uh, that they wanted them to kind of branch out and, you know, build their own culture. And so going backwards to me, that's where – to me, it and doesn't really have anything to do with the way the guy plays. I'm sh- I'm certain it's a it's a function of money, but I think more than anything, it's where they want to go as a team. They want to go forward, not backwards. Yeah, I I, I would tend to agree with that. I I would think the only thing the caveat with any of these guys would be price. Like what? It, all right, can we get a leader or somebody in Bobby? You know, hey, maybe Jordan's not going to. We're not sure if he's going to be totally ready. Bobby's a great leader that commands respect, and we're going to get him for. I don't know, veteran minimum with all these incentives we can throw in the in the contract, and he can sort of occupy that spot. But Jordan is our guy, and mm-hmm. then they figure it out. I don't, that's the weird one. If Jordan's healthy, I don't know how that works. I don't. Right. That doesn't seem like a great fit. I understand that Quandre Diggs really wants him to come back, but I just don't know how that works with what they're trying to do. And as you said, it feels like they are really trying to build on the youth to where they're not deferring to the to the old head as the uh, as the. Uh, kids like to say these days the old, old heads, heads. Yeah. <laughs> so i don't know we'll see but there's frank clark uh 29 he'll be 30 when the year starts and expected to be cut by the kansas city chiefs all right anthony richardson was the big star of the combine over the weekend we're going to learn more about him from florida's broadcaster sean kelly plus get some more insight on geno smith's contract extension as well that's all coming your way with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710